It's a, a pretty big college basketball game yesterday, a rivalry game, and so I know many people here are, are passionate about the two teams that we're playing, and uh, just in case you're wondering, I am happy uh, this morning. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Yes, thank you very much. The, uh, the Michigan Wolverines beat Michigan State. It was a big game for my boys, so glad I can celebrate along with you. Uh, hey, listen, I am a big proponent of, uh, of prayer. Uh, I think sometimes it's so easy for us to kind of uh, rush through our time together uh, this morning. And so I know Wendy just prayed for us, but uh, I want to, I want, if I could, just to, to pause before we jump in, and I want to encourage you to pray. And uh, so if you could bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want, uh, I want you uh, to pray uh, for you so easy for us to come together and to bring all of our stress and anxiety and everything that we're facing in, in life. We come oftentimes with our hands and hearts just full of stuff. And so just pray that God would, would meet you right now. I want to encourage you to take a minute and pray for uh, your brothers and your sisters sitting uh, next to you or in front of you or behind you. Pray that uh, God would do a good work in their hearts and in their lives this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. Thank you that we have the joy and the privilege to come before you, to hear and listen uh, to your word, to respond in worship. Thank you that you delight in meeting with your kids. Uh, Lord, I pray now for your people that you would stir our hearts and our affections for you. I pray that you would open our eyes, help us to see what your word says to us. Help us to take these words from your word and apply them to our hearts and our lives. God, be exceedingly gracious and kind to us in our time that we have this morning. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, there are times in a scripture where we read about a high calling uh, that God has uh, called us to, a, a high calling. I think of Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, that says, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. When you read those words, you think to yourself, that is a high calling. I think of the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, that read that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return 
for his soul. I don't know about you, but I read those words and I think to myself, that is a high calling. I think of the words that Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, that says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That is a high calling. There are times when Scripture calls us to a high calling, and there are other times when Scripture simply calls us to say hi. Now, I know in saying that, you probably think to yourself, James, that's rather basic. It sounds overly simplistic. Uh, encouraging us to say hi to one another uh, sounds like it lacks theological depth. It sounds very elementary. Uh, why would you say something so simplistic uh, to such a bright group? That's a great question, and my response to you is because even though it sounds very simplistic, it actually is a quite biblical. Scripture calls us to greet one another, to greet one another. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, which is arguably one of the most theologically rich books in all of the Bible, uh, it, it talks about God's uh, election of his people. It talks about big theological words like uh, justification and sanctification and glorification, these big lofty ideas that we read about in Paul's letters. Uh, and uh, despite the fact that Romans is an incredibly deep theological book, it's also incredibly personal. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, as he nears the end of his book in Romans chapter 16, uh, at length uh, sends greetings uh, to people whom he knows and loves. Uh, listen to his words, to the words of Paul uh, from Romans chapter 16. Romans uh, chapter 16. Just listen uh, to all of these names from Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. Admittedly, this is one of those sections in Scripture that you get to that you kind of just glance over. Or maybe you turn the page and move on to something else because it, it just sounds like a bunch of names. Uh, but Paul writes in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Verse 3 reads, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved uh, Epinatus, who was the first convert in Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. A greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known among the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. 
Greet my kinsmen, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet my beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet uh, Asencretus uh, and Philagan, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Uh, greet Julia, Anursus, and her sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Isn't that a crazy list of people? I mean, it's, it, admittedly, like I said, it's just one of those passages that oftentimes you, you get to it and you sort of just skip over it. You're like, okay, there's a, a bunch of people that I don't know and I've never met before, but Paul thought it was so important uh, to say and to speak uh, their names. Uh, we are in a series called One Another. At Christ's point, it's our passion to point people to Jesus. And we think one of the ways that we do that is by experiencing authentic community. Well, the New Testament kind of paints a picture for us of what that uh, community is supposed to look like. There's all these one another statements that we read about. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about loving one another and encouraging one another and bearing with one another. This week, I want us to think together about greeting one another. Apparently, a long before Lionel Richie and Adele sang the words, hello, the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of people and was like, hey, right? He was saying hello to over 26 people here in Romans chapter 16. Uh, 26 shout-outs, 26 men and women who Paul sent his best to. And as we think about this list of people, hey, listen, admittedly, we don't know a ton about some of these people, but uh, we know a little bit about them. And so I want to make three observations this morning about this list that Paul gives as we think together about what does it look like for us to greet one another. The first observation is to have an affection for the people of God. Have an affection for the people of God. Paul isn't simply a rambling off a list of sponsors like a NASCAR driver after a race. Uh, Paul seemed fond of these Christ followers. You can hear it in the words that he uses to describe them. Remember verse 5 said, Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. My, my beloved he says. Verse 8 says, Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. And do you notice how he refers to people as his beloved? Right? These are people that he knows and he loves. As the people of God, we are called to love one another. God calls us to, to love fellow Christians. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. One of the signs that we belong to God is that we love the people of God. Uh, and yet, oftentimes, it seems so challenging uh, for us as believers to actually love one another. To love people who uh, follow the same God as we do. 
uh, to love people who have devoted their lives to chasing after Jesus, just like us. But Paul, when he speaks of uh, these people in Romans chapter 16, had a clear love and affection for the people of God. Do you have a, a love and affection uh, for your brothers and sisters? Do you have a love and affection for the people of God? Paul uh, certainly did. Uh, secondly, one of the things that we notice uh, here from Paul is that, uh, that these people that he mentions in Romans chapter 16 had a reputation uh, for being uh, good workers for God. Right? Do you notice how many times in these verses he refers to someone as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus? Verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life. Uh, verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Verse 12, greet workers in the Lord. I, I love that idea and the picture that Paul paints in Romans chapter 16. He refers to uh, so many of these people as fellow workers in the Lord. It reminds me of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightfully handling of the word of truth. Listen, there, there are a lot of ways that we can describe our relationship to the Lord. Paul himself oftentimes will refer to himself as a bondservant or a servant or a slave to Christ. Uh, but here he's referring to fellow brothers and sisters as fellow workers of uh, the Lord. That is a beautiful a way to be described. I think as we think about this idea, we should be careful uh, not to separate our work into categories. Oftentimes uh, we think of sacred work and secular work. And there's some paid professionals who do the sacred work. Uh, and everyone else uh, does the secular work. But Scripture uh, really doesn't divide it up the way that we do. Right? All of our work that's done unto the Lord, whether we're punching the clock uh, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, or whether we're in full-time vocational ministry, can be and should be work done unto the Lord. Uh, this last week on Thursday, I had the opportunity to go to a local Christian school. They uh, offered free food to local pastors. Listen, if you want to draw a crowd, you offer free food to local pastors. And so pastors uh, showed up in droves. I mean, by the busload. Uh, they came for free food and free coffee. Uh, when I walked into the front door of the school, I started filling out a name tag. I wrote down James in big a bold black letters, and I smacked it on my chest, and I looked up, and there was another gentleman. His name was Jason. He stuck out his hand, and he said, James, it's good to meet you. He said, where do you pastor? And I said, I pastor at Christ Point Church, and we meet at Cox Mill, uh, Cox Mill High School. And he says, that's great. And I looked at his name tag, and I said, Jason, I see your name is Jason. And I said, where do you pastor? And he said, oh, I don't pastor. He said, I'm just a servant. Big mistake. I said, Jason, I said, there is no such thing as just a servant. And he goes, you know what? He goes, you're right. And I said, I know. I know I'm right. 
This is why you should never get together with a group of pastors because you can't say anything without them dissecting every word and going, well, technically, uh, that's not right. But I wanted Jason to know that there is no such thing as just a servant. We don't just do work as the people of God. We work unto uh, the Lord. Paul apparently knew this when he wrote to this group of people in Romans uh, chapter 16. He described them as my fellow workers. My fellow workers, you are my fellow workers uh, in the Lord. Uh, so, so Paul, we notice, uh, writes to a group of people whom he had an affection for. Uh, he, he writes to a group of people and he describes them as my fellow workers. And the, the third thing that you would notice if you were to walk through uh, this list is Paul writes to a diverse group of friends who know God. He writes to a diverse group of friends uh, who know God. They were uh, diverse in race and ethnicity. Uh, he, he writes to both Jews and Gentiles. If you were to go through this list, you would find both. We said a few weeks ago that one of the marks of the early church was that they were a diverse group racially and ethnically. Uh, people on the outside looking in were, were so struck by the fact that there were so many uh, diverse people from different walks in life who had come together under the banner of the gospel as followers of Jesus. It was so unusual during the day that people took notice and said, hey, what's the deal with this community? Because this is unusual. Well, Paul writes to a group of people who were very diverse. They were diverse in race. We also notice that they were diverse in class. Uh, some of the names on this list were probably of royal or high rank. Uh, we read of Aristobulus in verse 10 and uh, Narcissus in verse 11. Notice that both are said to have been the head of a household or a state. These would have been folks who uh, during the day would have been white-collar workers. Uh, Ampl Amplius and Urbanus and Hermes and Julia were names uh, that were common among slaves during the time. Aristobulus was believed to have been the brother of Agrippa I, uh, the grandson of Herod the Great. Narcissus was the secretary of the emperor Claudius. Rufus uh, may have been the son of Simon of Cyrene, the man who carried the cross for Jesus on the road to Golgotha. And so this group that we read about in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 16 was a diverse group. They were diverse in, in race and they were diverse in class. They were white collar and blue collar and everything in between. Listen, I know oftentimes a church's makeup reflects the community that uh, they're in. Uh, if you live in an affluent area and have a church in the middle of an affluent neighborhood, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes a church will reflect the community around it. Uh, if you live in, in an area that's a, maybe a lower class uh, neighborhood, then oftentimes when you look at the socio and economic makeup of the church, it reflects the community that the church is in. But listen, the, the New Testament church, the church that we read about, it, it varied. It was all over the map. It was a place where the white collar and blue collar folks could come and sit at a common table and pray together and read the word together and worship together. 
And so when you think about our church, when you think about this place and churches in our community, they, they ought to be diverse places where white collar and blue collar don't look up or down at one another, but come alongside each other and love each other well. This should be a place where everyone, regardless of your tax bracket or your W-2 form, uh, should feel at home and comfortable. Right? Because we are followers of Jesus. This a church, these people that Paul writes to, was diverse uh, racially. It was uh, diverse uh, in, in terms of uh, socioeconomic uh, income, uh, class. And it was diverse also uh, in terms of, um, of gender. Uh, eight or nine of the 26 people that Paul references uh, are, are women. And this, was, this was unusual. Uh, for this to be the case in the first century. Paul singles out uh, many of these women as having worked very hard. Right? So this shows at the very least that, that women in the New Testament church were active and influential in the ongoing ministry and mission of the church. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Who is Phoebe? Who is Phoebe? I'm glad you asked. She was one who was commended to the church uh, by Paul, meaning that more than likely she took this letter and was the one who delivered it to the church in Rome. Paul commends her as a sister and a servant. So she was more than likely an important uh, woman in the church. She was apparently accomplished. It says that she was a great help uh, to many people. The word there that is translated a great help uh, to many people is the word that means benefactress. Right? One commentary says that, that it could be argued that she was a woman of great uh, uh, affluence and influence. Uh, more than likely, she was one who financially supported uh, the early church, right? So when Scripture describes Phoebe, she is described as a servant. Uh, a servant in the New Testament at times is used, um, is, is translated a word that means deacon, a servant. And there are times when it's used in a general sense, someone who is a servant uh, of the church, a, a servant of the new covenant or a servant of, of the gospel or a servant of, of the Lord or a servant of Christ. But Paul uh, refers to Phoebe as a servant of the church, right? which is the first time in the New Testament that we read that. So when, when uh, Paul describes her as a servant or a deaconess, he, he could be using the term in a general sense. He's a, a servant of the church or there are other times in the New Testament where the word denotes a specific office, a, a deacon, like in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 8 and 12. Uh, deacons or deaconesses was someone who would work alongside of the elders who were usually focused on meeting a material and physical needs in the church. They would provide comfort and support to the distressed and uh, the broken. Scholars are really divided in whether or not Paul is using this term in a general sense or in a church office sense. Uh, we can go out to coffee 
and talk about that. I, I would love to have the conversation with you. I, I think, though, uh, what is clear uh, from this passage is that uh, Phoebe, a woman, was prominent and recognized for her work in the church. Right? She, she was not someone who was uh, cast off to the side, who was uninvolved, who wasn't important, or who wasn't recognized. Uh, she was someone, and others here that Paul lists were, were women who were held in high regard. They were not second-class citizens or fringe groups. They, they were valuable members of the New Testament uh, community. And so Paul writes this very diverse group in Romans uh, chapter 16. Uh, and he says uh, to them, greetings... And then later, he says, I want you uh, to greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now, admittedly, maybe you read that and you think, yuck. Like, what? <laughs> greet one another with a holy kiss? Like, what is Paul talking about? Maybe that seems strange to you or odd. If you came in on Sunday morning and people started kissing your cheeks, you might think that that's unusual or a little bit odd. You might say, whoa, give me some space. Like, please don't do that. But culturally, this was a, a normal way that people greeted one another. Right? So if you go to, to Central or South America, if you go to Honduras with us this summer, it's not uncommon when uh, you greet someone at church. They'll come and they'll kind of kiss your cheeks, or they'll put their cheek against your cheek. It's, it's normal. It's not weird for them. It's just a way of simply uh, saying hello. All right, Paul, when he uh, writes to the church and says, hey, I want you to greet one another with a holy kiss, is saying, I want you to, I want you to welcome people into your body. When, when, when people come, I want them to feel at home. I, I want people to be seen and, and recognized. I want you to communicate to people, listen, I'm so glad that you're here. Like we were waiting for you. We're ready for you. We prepared for you. Welcome. This isn't the first time that Paul does this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 20, he says, Give each other a holy kiss when you meet. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. Peter gets in on the action too in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This was a, a cultural a welcoming of outsiders uh, to come uh, inside. He says, hey, listen, when it comes to the body of Christ, when you, when you see people who either you know or don't know, say hello. Like, welcome them, uh, greet them. In other words, be a people person. Be, be a people person. This isn't a conversation about introverts or extroverts. This is not like, hey, let, let 15 to 18% of the people who are extroverts say hello, and the rest of you all are off the hook. You can remain quiet. No, this is like, like say hello. Like, like, greet people. Greet people you know and greet people you don't know. Say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. When I was in high school, I went to uh, a church that was kind of a little bit outside of the community that I lived in. There was a Christian school that was attached to the church, which was really a cool thing. Um, but if you were someone who went to the public school, <laughs> that's this guy, uh, sometimes it was awkward to go into an environment with students who saw each other six days a week. 
Right? They just, it wasn't their fault. They had done nothing wrong, but they just, they ran together. They went to school together Monday through Friday. Uh, they played sports together on Saturday. They saw each other on Sunday. I was a public school kid, and so I went to this youth group of about 70 students, and I would show up, and there was about 68 of the students that went to school together. And I felt a little bit like an outsider until I showed up on one Wednesday evening, and Justin Belgiano, uh, who also was a public school kid, uh, came up to me, and he introduced himself. And he stuck out his hand, and he said, Hey, my name's Justin. What's your name? It sounds silly, it sounds basic, it sounds elementary. But I can't tell you what that did for a little 14, 15-year-old kid who walked into an environment where I didn't know a soul. I felt to myself, should I even really be here? I don't fit in. I don't know these people. And somebody took the time uh, to say hello. Right? He greeted me. He, he welcomed me. And it made all of the difference uh, in the world. This, uh, Christ's point, is how we should interact uh, with one another. I mean, this is our house. This is your house. This, this place. If this is your church, this is your house. Imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning and to come downstairs in your PJs and to open up the refrigerator and pull out some eggs, grab a pan, put it on the stove, turn it on, crack a couple eggs, scramble them up, put it uh, on the oven, scramble your eggs, sit down with your eggs and a cup of coffee at the kitchen table, and look, and across the table from you is someone that you don't know or you've never met. That would be weird. You, you might call someone quickly and ask for backup. But it would be weird if you saw someone in your house whom you did not know and you didn't acknowledge them. I mean, can you imagine that? Could, could you imagine if you were walking through your living room and you looked and there was a stranger on your couch who you had never seen before? You might think to yourself, who are you? And how did you get in? Right? But, but you probably would acknowledge their existence. The same thing is true in the church. In this place. Like, this is our house. And, and when people come into our house who we don't know or we haven't met before, we say hello. Right? It doesn't matter if you've been going to the house for 10 years or 10 minutes. It's your house. And so welcome people. Greet people. Uh, say hello. The ungreeted individual never thinks they are ignored because someone loves them. Right? Nobody ever leaves who, who's not acknowledged and think they must really love me. They didn't say a word to me. One author writes, insecurity, or, uh, insecurity is often the unhappy child of silence. Insecurity is often the unhappy child of silence. Anyone who has lingered unnoticed and unattended at a party knows this sense of loneliness. Have you felt that before? Have you experienced that before? I hope uh, that we don't experience that here. Uh, I, I think uh, we're pretty good at this. I think when people come, they feel uh, welcomed. I think they feel noticed. But let us be a people who operate in such a way that no one slips in and slips out unnoticed. Listen, you don't have to be weird. 
You don't have to tackle anyone. You don't have to ask people like inappropriate personal questions. Like you don't have to lead with a political question. Like, like don't. Maybe ever. <laughs> At least for the time being. You don't have to run for mayor. I'm not asking that you, like, that you work the crowd and like, see how many hands you can shake before you leave on Sunday morning. But, um, man, just say hello. Just say hello. Acknowledge the people around you who have been created in the image of God. Students, listen to me uh, for a second. Um, there is going to be someone, perhaps every Sunday, who, who rolls in who you don't know. Right? Maybe they've been a, a part of student ministry for, for months or years, but you don't know them that well. There's going to be other times where someone rolls in who's, who's a guest, and you've never met them before. And the temptation for you is going to be to find uh, your, your buddy, your one or two really good friends, and connect with them and hang with them and run with them. I want to I challenge you. Look for someone you don't know or you don't know well and say hello. Like, welcome them. Say your name. Because someone 20 years from now is going to be telling the story that I just told 10 minutes ago about Justin Belgiano. Right? And so you have the opportunity to welcome people into this place. Uh, listen, Christ Point, if you are a regular attender, right, if you've been here for a while, when I say a while, that's anywhere from like 10 years to 10 months. Like if this is your home, if this is your place. I get it. You've been here long enough where, where you have a handful of people that you know and that maybe know you, and the temptation is to kind of gravitate toward those folks that you're comfortable with. Um, make it a point when you come on Sunday morning to find people that you don't know and say hello. When we get together on the first Sunday of every month at the table, and you, you look out in that uh, cafeteria, and you notice some people that you know really well, that you enjoy hanging with, and you also notice some folks that you don't know well, um, sit next to the folks that you don't know well. Right? And introduce yourself and say hello. Right? Maybe, just maybe, it'll change their life. Uh, if you are here and, and you're like new to the party, and maybe it's been a few weeks or a couple months, but you're just still trying to get your bearings a little bit, um, I just want you to know, Welcome. Welcome. Man, I'm glad that you're here. I think this is a, a good place. I think it's a good place to be. And I'm so glad that you chose to be here uh, this morning. And so, uh, in the good name of Jesus, I greet you. Uh, welcome home. Welcome home.